it was hard, yeah. I mean, it was like, whoa, my whole, all those 18-hour days on set, six years of Gossip Girl. I mean, I've worked since I was 17, and then I, all of that was gone, you know? And that's a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. Hey, everyone. I'm Yaza Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Kelly Rutherford, to our show today. Kelly is widely recognized as an actress and has impressed audiences with her roles in a few of my favorite shows, including Melrose Place, Gossip Girl, and most recently Dynasty and Pretty Little Liars. Kelly is also known for a very high-profile and public custody battle that she had with her ex-husband. A California judge went on to rule that it was in the best interest of the kids to live with their father in Monaco, which is something Kelly fought until 2015 with every single dollar she had. The fight for her kids impacted her not only emotionally, but also financially. And it was at this point that Kelly had to rebuild her life from the ground up. After getting to know Kelly more than what's portrayed in the spotlight, it's really who she is as a person that truly sets her apart. The grace, kindness, love, and positivity she has even after going through such a traumatic experience is incredibly admirable. Kelly also shares how through her struggle, she found her true strength and power, and also the power of shifting your perspective towards joy and happiness, which she says changed her life in even the darkest of times. Kelly is a loving and involved mother, an activist for women and children, artist, entrepreneur, and a beautiful woman both inside and out, and I'm so excited to share her story with everyone today. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so great to see you again, and for our listeners who may not know, Kelly and I connected earlier this year pre-COVID, and we did an interview all around women and money for a book that I have in mind, and when I really met her in person and heard her story, I was just so inspired by the person that she is and everything that she's gone through that I always had her on my list of women to bring on the podcast, so Kelly, it's such an honor to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to start with your upbringing. So you've mentioned there wasn't a lot of stability growing up because you moved around a lot, but you always had love and you always had family around you. I know your upbringing has really impacted who you are today, but can you take us back to that time and share more about what your life was like growing up? It was great. I mean, I, I feel like I had a really, a really amazing childhood. And um, even though, you know, if I, you know, we all grew up thinking, oh, I wish it was like this, or I wish it was like that, or, you know, because we see other people, you know, having different things, but I, there was a lot of change, a lot of moving around, you know, I went to different schools and that kind of thing. But now, I mean, I look back like so many things and think, wow, I'm so thankful because my ability to adapt and change to circumstances are much greater than they, they would have been. Absolutely. And I'm sure that only benefited you in the acting world as well. So I know your parents got divorced when you were a teenager, and you've talked a lot about your mom, especially for her generation, as being someone who always challenged the status quo and was very independent. How do you think that's really impacted the woman that you are today? Well, she really was a a free thinker. You know, my mom was very much an artist and incredibly creative, incredibly loving, and um, but really open to different viewpoints and ideas and, and very... Um, you know, she always had me doing affirmations when I was young and, and reading, 
you know, things that were super empowering and, you know, you know, she was a bit of a feminist and, you know, was explaining to me all the work that, you know, women had done before me and, you know, to make my path easier or create more opportunities. Yeah. And she, you know, we were always able to speak our minds and, and, you know, question things um, with respect. You know, it was always like respectfully, you know, you can say anything you want as long as it's done, you know, in a very respectful way. And, so yeah, so she was, she was very independent. I love that you were doing affirmations with your mother at such a young age. That definitely makes a lot of sense, you know, just getting to know who you are as a person today. But looking back at different interviews you've done, you've talked a lot about moving around in your childhood really impacted your decision to become an actress. Can you share more about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think you, you know, you get used to change in the same way that you get used to stability, right? So people that are used to things being on a schedule and stable and predictable, that's familiar. Well, to me, sort of, you know, packing and unpacking and starting fresh was sort of normal to me. So I think when, you know, I was deciding what to do, I knew I would want to do something that that I would continue to grow at and there would be change and definitely something uh, um, artistic, you know. Um, and so, and really that was, I think, what's a, made acting or the lifestyle of acting, being on location and interacting and meeting new people constantly, um, it definitely made it easier <laughs> to, to adapt. That's for sure. And, you know, the acting life is not for everybody. But you gained so much success in your early adult life when you began acting and you were financially supporting yourself at the age of 19. What was that experience like? And how did you gain so much success at an early age? Well, I think it was just going for it. You know, I think I just had a desire to do it. I had a desire to be independent and to to take care of myself. And so that was a motivating factor, obviously, and to be independent of my parents or anyone else. And I've always had like a really strong work ethic. I remember when I was nine, I said to my mom, I want to do a paper route. I want to work. I want to make money. And <laughs> so she would drive me around in the car and let me throw the papers and I would fold them. And, you know, I always was very industrious. That was so I, I liked the idea of working and making my own money. And I think a lot of kids do, you know, they see their parents doing it and they want to do it young. And I really support that as long as obviously the parents are there guiding them and protecting them and, and helping them. So I always, I think from a young age, it, it encouraged me instead of saying, no, you're too young to do that. Or no, you can't do that. It was like, how do we find a way to do that? That's safe for you to do. And so, and then I always had summer jobs and I, I loved like saving my money and, you know, being able to buy half of my first car. My parents said, well, match whatever, you know, you make. And so, you know, that idea was always really appealing. So I think when I, you know, it was normal when, when I graduated from high school, I knew I wanted to be an actress. So, and I knew I had to find a way to support myself. So I did. And, um, and I was excited to work and do what I love. So it's beautiful to see that you really knew your passion and your drive for acting when you were young. And that's something that you pursued right after high school instead of going to college. I'm curious, though, were your parents also supportive of you going down that route? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening might think, you know, I have this passion for being creative. I have a passion to be an actress. But my parents want me to go down that route for college and kind of the society's expectations of them. But what was that like for you? 
well, my mom wanted me to be a lawyer. You know, she wanted me to go to college and, you know, of course, all of those things. And I just didn't, you know, I showed up to take my SATs and I looked around and most of the people I knew in high school did not know what they wanted to do. They were all just going to school because they didn't know what they wanted to do. And they were just picking a major. You know, maybe there was an interest there or, some, you know, obviously some guiding thing. But I really knew what I wanted to do. And I think part of the way I was raised was to be, a, you know, somebody that has their own mind and own ideas. And my mother was very creative. So um, and I just thought, you know, I wanted to be educated. It wasn't that I didn't want to continue my education. Like I would call my friends in college or email them and say, you know, what book reading lists, what are you reading? What are you studying? And I would on my own just read those books or study just so I had a basic knowledge of what my friends were, you know, learning. I, again, I just wanted to go to work. <laughs> I just wanted to go to work. And I think a lot of people do, you know, they go to college because they don't know what they want to do. And it used to be that college guaranteed a job. So I understood the security factor to it, right? But it's not so much anymore. A lot of kids come out of school with huge debt, uh, which is very stressful when, you know, you could have taken that same amount of money and started your own business. You know, okay, you may not have learned the same things you learned going to college. And I understand that, but you could always take night courses. You can always ask your friends. You can always, there's a way, there's a way to keep up with maybe not every single detail of it, but the broad strokes of, of what you learn. And so, yeah, I think I've always had a little bit of that, that I don't have to go with the norm, you know, idea. I've never felt like I had to. Again, maybe from moving around and not always fitting in. So it was kind of okay not to fit in or, you know. You are so ahead of your time. I think just being in my 30s now, I'm just beginning to feel okay stepping outside my comfort zone and creating a path that is not the standard path that a lot of people take. So kudos to you for really creating that for yourself and going for your passion at such a young age. So I'm curious, being in Hollywood, I have a lot of friends in that world. And one thing I consistently hear over and over again is how much rejection they face. So you've been in the industry for quite some time, so I'm sure you have some tricks up your sleeve on how you deal with rejection. But I'm curious to get your thoughts because, you know, that's something that all of us, even outside of the acting world, deal with in our day to day. Well, I think you just learn to do your best. You know, you just show up and just do your best. And there's so many factors that go into it. You know, there's so many factors that go into getting any job, right? So they could be hiring their best friend's daughter. It may have nothing to do with you. You may have done this incredible interview. You may have everything they're looking for and they end up hiring her best, their best friend's daughter to do a thing. There's, you can control what you do and how you show up and not take it personally when it doesn't work out. Take it as a sign of, oh, good, then there's something better. There's something else. And I would always reward myself in a way. I'd, I'd say, oh, gosh, that was, I was so nervous. Or in the beginning, you know, it took a lot of courage, you know, like all of us. And so I would say, okay, we're going for a frozen yogurt after this, or we're going to go, you know, do something nice for myself. Let's, we're going to go get a manicure pedicure because you were brave today, or, you know, that kind of thing. So I would kind of motivate myself. Um, and also, you know, over time, you learn to just trust that, you know, you're where you're supposed to be. There's things that I wanted that I didn't get, but something better came along. And so I started looking at that pattern and thinking, oh, okay, 
So I just need to show up, be the best I can be with the best energy I can and not take it too personally and the right things will align. And with that, um, they, they have, you know. One thing you said that really resonates with me is how you would create joy after doing certain things or difficult things. And, you know, that's something I'm thinking a lot about right now because I've just been so heads down building this podcast, building a new business that I feel like I'm just in this go, go, go mode and I need to create more joy in the process. So I'm going to take some of your tips and, you know, whether it's frozen yogurt, Manny Petty, like you said, but whatever works for you, just creating that joy after you've created, you know, a big task or dealt with something that was outside your comfort zone. I think that is so important, especially to sustainably work for long periods of time. And also, also, now looking back at your career, really showing up and trusting that the universe is creating something for you that's even better than what you expected really reminds me of the whole story around how you even got the Gossip Girl role. I believe you were not interested in it in initially because there was another TV show that you really wanted, but you kept getting rejected. But I'd love for you to share that story because it seems really incredible, especially with all the success that Gossip Girl went through and you know the success that you went through yourself. Yeah, it's, it's really the story, exactly. The story of you know, you can try to force things. Like there was a job I really, really thought was perfect for me, right? And so I just kept forcing it. I kept thinking, no, 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 really, let me come in again. I can really show you. And they were just like, there's nothing you're going to do. You can stand on your head. You can do this in French. Yeah. <laughs> you can change your hair color. You can do whatever. We are going in a different direction, Kel. And I was like, oh. So, you know, there was that feeling of just forcing it. And, you know, versus when I went in and read for Gossip Girl, like I didn't, my babysitter didn't show up. My son was in a car seat. I had just gotten out of the shower. I'd thrown on clothes, barely had any makeup on, hadn't even had time to look at the lines. It was just sort of like, I just got to get there. And I went literally read off the page, you know, and granted, I knew the producers, they knew me from the OC because I originally was reading for the OC. And, you know, it happened very easily. It was like, we knew each other, it didn't matter. I mean, it was the easiest, most fun, natural reading kind of audition. So it's just about realizing that, you know, it's there's no need to ever force anything. You know, we just have to allow and trust that there's something better. That's such a great point, because I think sometimes we take for granted things that come easy to us when really in retrospect, it's our superpower. And you know, we assume that everything has to be so hard to reach high levels of success. But if you really tune into what you're good at and double down on that skill or that asset that you have, I think that's what really is powerful in taking you to even greater success than you can even dream of, which is, you know, clearly evident in your life and what happened with Gossip Girl. So talking about Gossip Girl, I am such a huge fan. I religiously watch that show. And I'm curious to know, what was it like playing Lily Vanderwoodson, who was such a strong female figure on the show? It was really fun. Again, I think, you know, just the process itself sort of led to an incredible experience. And the show that I was trying to force myself to do or force myself on them to do, you know, only went nine episodes and Gossip Girl went for almost six seasons. So again, it's like another, and, and the experience was so rich for me. And when things align and as they should, and they are easy and it's just a better overall experience. And it was, it was incredible to be in New York city 
to work with that incredible cast to have the show received so well. Um, and I loved the character and it was a very rare type of mother, you know, character. And it was so well written and it was amazing. What a fun journey. And it's incredible that the show went on for six seasons. That's amazing. Which reminds me of a story after Gossip Girl, when you were at an audition, you actually talked about George Clooney giving you some advice on confidence. I would love to hear more about that because I feel like all of us, especially women, that's something we can all work on yeah. even more in really building that self-confidence in our own lives. We had done a pilot together and he had he was talking about how he had done so many pilots that hadn't gone, you know, like his success rate was more hadn't gone than had, you know, and we were talking about just the business. And he was saying that, you know, when you're going for a job interview, you're going for an acting job, people want to feel that you you really do genuinely feel like you can do it, that you could take this on and do a great job and that you own it. It's kind of like owning the experience, owning the role. Um, and they feel that versus kind of going in going, is this what you want? Is that what you want? Tentatively kind of, you know, not that you aren't open, that you aren't like, okay, that was my take. Now, is there something you want me to do different or, you know, am I completely off or whatever, but to go in confidently in terms of this is my take on this. And, and that they want to know that you can carry this, that you're going to show up, you're going to be a professional, that you're going to be able to, to do it. You know, I think that we want that from everyone in life. You know, we want to know that they, they're going to show up and be able to do this job. When you get rid of the doubt and just really go for something and commit to it and say, you know, obviously you're open and adaptable and but it, it does help. Yeah, I think self-confidence plays into so many different aspects of your life. I think, you know, a lot of our listeners are interested or building businesses and are entrepreneurial in their own life. And I think really having that confidence to make a big leap and start a business or having that confidence to sit in front of investors and really sell your vision and your mission and what you're trying to build, you know, even with potential future employees, I think it plays into so much in your life. And, you know, for you really how to conduct yourself in, you know, in an audition that they know they can be confident in you if you were to take on that role. So hearing that from George Clooney, I think is uh, great because I think confidence is something that we as women need to continually work on for ourselves, you know, relatively speaking. So shifting gears a little bit, during your time on Gossip Girl, you ended up filing for a divorce while you're pregnant with your second child, and it actually ended up turning into a very public and emotional child custody battle. You know, that is any mother's worst nightmare, and as a mother of two young children, it must have been incredibly painful, but you handled the process with so much grace. How did you overcome the fears and anxiety of going through such a traumatic phase in your life? Yeah, yeah. It took a while. It took a while to overcome <laughs> the anxiety and the stress of it all. And I think what happened is I finally just let go because I realized like the more I fought, the more I tried to get people to help or to, you know, granted, I had an enormous amount of support, you know, and I was so thankful for that because people really it was supported me in a way that I needed to know that I wasn't crazy, you know, that this was, this was something that was not right and unjust and so on and so forth. So, um, but I think I finally just said, I've got to let go. I've got not let go of being there for my children, not let go of 
being the best mother I could be under the circumstances, but it shifted. I, that's kind of what it shifted to was, okay, let's count the blessings here. Let's, you know, kids are healthy, you know, they're fed, they live in a nice place. They, you know, have two parents that love them. I mean, you just, I just started going through the list of what is good about this situation. Cause there was a lot that was, you know, very much out of my control and, and, um, so it and it was a great lesson to to let go of the the fight, let's say, to let go of the fight and just say, you know what, you know, I had a conversation with my kids and I said, look, I I'm not going to fight this anymore. I don't want to fight your dad anymore. I don't want you to have any more stress anymore. So let's you tell me what I can do to be there for you and if you ever want me to go to court on your behalf, I will. I will always fight for you. You know what I'm saying? But I need to rest. This has been really hard and on all of us. And I just need to to find, I, mommy wants to be healthy as you grow up. And it really became about saying, okay, I need to focus on my health and well-being. Otherwise, you know, they weren't going to have a mom to to be there when, when this was, when they were old enough or when this sort of got sorted. So, um, yeah, and it was a big spiritual lesson in that, you know, there's something to letting go, you know, of, of the resistance, of the fight. Um, and what happened was, you know, the, my relationship got better with my kids and I was able to sort of slowly rebuild and heal and, you know, regain my strength again. And that, that was, I think that's really important because we all know, like, when your mom is suffering or your mom is upset, it's really hard for kids. So I thought I want to mirror someone that's healthy, that's present, that has love in her heart, that that could find a way to love their father in spite of, of whatever was going on so that they could feel okay. You know, that was the biggest gift I could give them really too, and was a mom that's healthy and happy and um, loving and present. So, yeah, and I appreciate you just being so open about the journey because I'm sure it was not easy really letting go of a six-year custody battle, but it was the best thing for you and your family at that time. And really letting go and letting go of the fight and the resistance is sometimes necessary. And it shows how much you've repaired your own life and overcome that moment because you've really focused on the beautiful things in your life and what you're grateful for, which you spoke briefly about. And I actually remembered in our last interview, you talked about how, you know, when you're ever feeling fear or anxiety, your mind can instantly shift into the worst case scenario, but really not allowing it to go down that way and really thinking through the positive and possibility versus always thinking about the negative. I know that has been so instrumental in your life. Can you expand more on your thoughts and really how you've incorporated that in, even in your own life? Yeah. Well, the best thing, that's really good. The best thing is to just get your mind off of it. So, you know, the more we focus on things, the more it expands. So if you could focus somehow, even if it's one thing, you know, even like I would tell the kids, this is what I love about your dad. I love this. Not that I didn't, you know, <laughs> stray from that and occasionally lose it. But for the most part, you know, when I, you know, the more I cultivated this, now I can do this. You know, now it, I mean, it took a minute, but, you know, to cultivate looking for the good and finding the good. And you'll notice 
through your body how it feels. So the alignment is feeling good. So if you're feeling good, you're in alignment. If you're not feeling good, you're not in alignment. And there's thoughts going on in your head that are taking you out of alignment with your home frequency, which is joy, love, happiness, victory, strength, you know, beauty, love, all those wonderful things that we're meant to experience and that are that empower us as people and attract things to us as people. So when we realize that what we're feeling and thinking is attracting stuff, it really makes you want to be aware of what you're thinking and attracting because the minute you realize that you go, whoa. So all these negative thoughts, all this fear, all the doubt, all this stuff is attracting more of it, like an algorithm, you, you go, okay, how do I shift this? And quick, I want to feel good. So I find good things to see in situations. I pivot. So, okay. It doesn't mean you don't acknowledge what's going on. It doesn't mean you're not aware of what's going on. It doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable for things. It just means that every time you're not in alignment, you're giving your power away and you lose strength. So, and so therefore your decision-making isn't as good. You know, your attraction, your manifestation isn't as clear. Um, so the, what I learned from all of this is the more I could find things about their dad and about my kids and about the situation and about my life in general that I loved and that were good, the more things started to shift energetically. So, and it, you do that in every aspect of your life, every single thing, you know, you can do that with. And when you start to feel bad, you just, you don't have to judge yourself or you start to go into a place, you know, of anxiety or stress or worry is you just go, okay, worry is negative prayer. It does nothing. So how can I, like, you know, even when I would worry about my kids, I'd turn it into something. I'd say, oh, they're so strong. They're so safe. They're always divinely guided and protected and loved. And usually anxiety and all that stuff, it's really us just not taking care of ourselves and going within and realizing that everything is created from within. So we're, we're too much out there being distracted um, instead of going within and creating um, and knowing that we can shift the energy. And it's easier. Like you were saying, you know, like when things come easy to us or whatever, we almost question it. Like, well, whereas that should be the norm. <laughs> It's true. And I think you briefly mentioned this, but a lot of people sometimes look outward and want to distract themselves when they're going through that pain and those difficult moments. But, you know, as someone who's completely shifted their life and their perspective for the positive, do you have any tips or rituals for our listeners that you incorporated in your life that helped you get to the more spiritual and happy place that you're in today? Yeah, a lot of it's just letting go of any resistance. You know, whatever you're resisting is going to persist. So just let go. The more you can just let it go, focus on something else, take your attention away from the problem. You think you, it, by focusing on the problem, you're going to solve it. It's not always true. It's by taking your, you know, attention away, writing about what you want instead of what you don't want. So the more you focus on what you do want. So maybe in the beginning, it's like every morning you get up and you write 10 pages on what you do love and what you do want, how you want to feel, what you want your life to look like. And so what it does is it kind of aligns you and you'll notice through your body how that feels. It feels good to write about what you want. And 
you know, go out there. It's your journal. It's your life. It's your manifestation. So, you know, whether it's in your work and your personal relationships, physically, you know, and ask for things, you know, I'm asking for an improvement here. And a lot of this comes from my reading Abraham Hicks. I was so thankful to discover Abraham Hicks. So it, a lot of this you can find what I'm saying is, and said much in a much clearer, concise way, I'm sure, in, in Abraham Hicks's books. So I actually love Abraham Hicks. You know, when COVID hit, there was just so much uncertainty and so much heightened anxiety, at least that I felt, where someone had recommended her morning meditation. And it was amazing. I mean, it's more so similar to what you're saying, just really manifesting the positivity and the abundance that you can create in your own life. And I think that's important. And also, you know, something that I've incorporated in my life, and it actually came about when I was working in New York, crazy hours in the finance world, and I was miserable, despite having the dream job that I always wanted. And I started a gratitude journal where I would write three things every night that I actually still do today. But I saw myself just focus more so on the positive than the negative, because I was not in a good place mentally at that time. So everything you're saying definitely resonates with me. And I've seen the positive positive aspects also occur in my life. So going back to your custody battle, you've been very open about the financial aspects of it, meaning, you know, you spent every dollar that you earn fighting the case and eventually were forced to declare bankruptcy. And I know you talked about this in another conversation we had, but it was incredibly difficult for you. I mean, you were playing an actress in most of your roles. You were pretty affluent, did well for yourself. And your real life situation was at that time completely opposite of that. How did you pick yourself up from that situation and really rebuild your life? Well, it looked like, I mean, I literally had, like I was, you know, I said in our interview, I, I didn't even have enough to buy a cup of coffee. It was like I was living in a friend's uh, extra room. I think it was her maid's room and um, with my rabbits and my dog. <laughs> it was so cute, the little rabbit. And um for me, it was fighting for my kids. So it wasn't like I'd gone bankrupt because I'd made a bad business decision or because I had done something silly with my money. You know, it was more that I just thought I won't feel comfortable until I've, I've spent every penny and I've done everything I can. And then I don't know what to do, but I at least have done everything I can. Um, and that's kind of what I did. I did. And I thank goodness have always worked and always supported myself my whole life. Um, and so I trusted myself that somehow, some way I'd be able to take care of myself. You know, having that paper out at nine years old, you know, helped kicks in because you think, okay. And, you know, I'm someone who, as much as I have had beautiful things and have beautiful things in my life and love beauty and all of that, I... I like simple things, getting up and getting my coffee in the morning. My happiness comes from me. You know, it comes from the joy that I find around me. So it wasn't so much. It was hard. Yeah. I mean, it was like, whoa, my whole, all those 18 hour days on set, six years of Gossip Girl. I mean, I've worked since I was 17 and then I, all of that was gone, you know, and that's a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. Um, and so, but at the same time, I just, you get up every morning and you say, I'm going to have a day. I'm going to have a day and I'm going to keep loving my heart and I'm going to figure this out, you know, and by not that I didn't cry or have pity parties or, but a lot of it was, I just stopped talking about it because I'd go to dinner and everyone wanted to talk about it and talk. Yeah. 
And it was like, and of course they were coming from such a good place and a caring place, but I just had to make a decision. I wasn't going to talk about it anymore because I needed to change the energy. And so, you know, I was going to see my kids. I was working um, and just living my life. And again, I'd get up, I, you know, have my cup of coffee. I'd walk the dog, walk the dogs. And I would just find the beauty every day, you know, and figure it out. And again, I felt so supported and so many people around me. And I started noticing all the blessings in my life. And, and that's kind of when I started noticing, like, you know, let's find what's good about this. What, what could be good about this? Um, and in doing that, it's funny, over the years, almost everything that I had to sell or give away or whatever comes back in a different form. You know, when you let things go and you bless it and you say, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And we collect so much stuff. I mean, all you have to do is move and you realize, oh my gosh, so much stuff. Yeah. Um, even when you think you don't have a lot of stuff. Even you when you think have. you've simplified your life, there's so much stuff. And so, you know, you all, it puts things in perspective. It puts, you know, as long as I was with my kids and I could be with them and see them and go work and do what I love, you know, and I just stopped talking about it because... I didn't want to give it any more of my, you know, of the, the story of it, you know, the story of it, any more of my life force. Yeah, I think it's beautiful that you were really committed to changing the narrative for yourself and you were no longer looking back, but wanting to rebuild your life and move forward. And it's also very admirable that when you were in that situation, you know, filed for yeah. bankruptcy, having to sell everything, you were living with a friend, you never really had that anxiety or fear in terms of creating wealth for yourself. You knew you could tap into that young Kelly when you were nine years old who always wanted to work and make money, but you had the confidence that you could create wealth for yourself again. And even creating that possibility and being grateful about your life even at that time, I think plays a huge role in it. And you talk a lot about the support system that you had, you know, in those darkest moments of your life. Can you share more about what that looked like for you? Well, I had an enormous amount of support from like the press and from friends and family and that that kind of support, certainly. And um, and also, you know, you you pick and choose, you know, you find people that you feel safe with. And I had friends that I felt really safe to be very myself with, you know, that I didn't have to be on for. So much of it's not having to be on for everybody because I'd go out and feel like I had to be on for everybody. So it was like, who could I just be myself with? And that's who, you know, those people are still in my life. And and um, those are important people, you know, to find and, and have around and to just constantly find things that that make you feel blessed. You know, those lists to write about the things that are working, that are good, that are blessings I mean, it's so simple to get up and say, oh, I had the best cup of coffee this morning. And then while I was in the park, I saw these birds and they were chasing it. I mean, you know, to really, we miss so much of the beauty of life because we're on to the next thing. And if you really start noticing all the blessings in your life, things start working again in a way that's really beautiful and things come back to you An abundance, you know, it's like when you notice the abundance, whether it's in nature, whether it's the abundance of love in your life, the abundance of just anywhere you can look for it, you know, then you start attracting it. So it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's anything you think you're lacking. If you start noticing the abundance of it, you start attracting. So 
Absolutely. It might sound woo-woo to some people, but I I completely agree with you. I think even, you know, for me, just training my mind to not always look for the lack or the, the negative in things and really shifting that towards abundance and, you know, allowing that to come into my own life. And we talked a lot about this actually also in my episode. It's one of our top episodes with Susie Batiste. So one question we love to ask all of our guests, and we actually touched upon this a few times throughout the interview, but wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth. What does wealth mean to you? Well, wealth is just energy. Again, money is energy, right? So wealth is energy too. But to me, it is health. I mean, it's the base for in the, of everything. I mean, I went through a time where my health was, I was not as strong. And so I really valued that over everything, right? So that was wealth to me, to be able to be healthy and strong um, and vital and, and, you know, all of that. So when it, true wealth to me is knowing that I have the ability to manifest. So it takes the worry of money away. Some people want a lot of money, right? But I don't know that that money serves anything. Does that make sense? Like if you can be joyful without an enormous amount of wealth, that then when you do have wealth, you're going to maintain your joy and the energy attached to that money will be very different. Like I even know like the jobs I've done or things, you know, to make money, there's an energy connection to it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I everything as energy now. Like, so I want to do things where the energy is good because I know that the financial thing will be of a more benefit to me and everyone else. Versus if you make money doing things that harm people or that or is attached to a negative outcome on some level, you feel it. And there's there is a there's a balancing that always happens in the universe. Just like I said, I, you know, I had to sort of sell everything and slowly without even really thinking about it, all of it has, a lot of it's come back. And just through being present and saying, you know, and letting go because I let go, you know, and, and stopped fearing and worrying because it, it was like, well, I can't hold on to all this stuff anymore. I think true, I mean, for me, it's about knowing that you you can create and you can manifest and that the universe is infinite, that abundance is infinite. And again, all you have to do is go walk through nature and realize how infinite it is and how wealthy we are and that we're taught poverty consciousness. We're taught lack. We are taught um, those things because there's a lot of abundance a lot and it's everywhere we look and the more you look for it and the more you see it the more you attract of it and then you don't worry as much and you don't you don't feel as greedy or as it's it's just a mentality it's a an abundance mentality it's a lack of knowing that you can have anything you want and Eckhart Tolle talks about this where you know we're all sitting on a pot of gold with a container begging for, for from other people from right money like we're sitting on we we have it and we're looking out there for it all the time where it's within us and we can create it so wealth i'm a long answer to a short question 
No, I, I could keep going talking about this. <laughs> but you know, it's a consciousness. It's a it's a way of being, living your life, right? And I think the reason we see so a lot of the problems in the world is because even though people are very, very, very wealthy, there's a poverty consciousness that creates a desire to control or desire because they don't they're within not wealthy. There's like it starts here, you know, it starts within you, seeing the beauty, appreciating people, appreciation. For those that are listening who might not be as familiar with poverty consciousness, can you share more about what that is? Poverty consciousness is just, you're not noticing the abundance. You're not realizing the infinite creativity that you have to manifest because you're focused on the lack. You're focused on the, un, you're, you're either someone around you told you you couldn't have it. And so you, your whole life thought you couldn't have it because somebody told you they couldn't have it because someone told them they couldn't have it. So there's no blame, no need to blame anyone. Everyone's just coming from what they know. It's saying, okay, that ends here with me. I'm going to realize that and write about it, write about, okay, if I could have anything I wanted. I could have anything and everything I wanted, what would it be? And write about it every day. Write about it every single day until you feel aligned with that. So it's taking your attention away from I can't have it, lack, I need more, I don't have this, to what do I have? What is working? What is abundant in my life? I can have it if I want it. Well, Kelly, I so appreciate you joining us today and sharing your thoughts around wealth. And if there are two things that our listeners will take away from our conversation, it is really the power of letting go and also shifting your perspective on focusing on the positive and the abundance you have in your life versus the lack and the negative aspects of it. But Kelly, we so appreciate you joining us and it was so great to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.